there, listeners. Thanks again for tuning in to Sid's Workshop. Hope you're having a wonderful day. So today we're going to be talking about The Dragon's Promise by Elizabeth Lim. It is the second in conclusion to her Six Crimson Cranes duology. Um, I have to say, when I first did finish reading this book, I was like, oh, that was great, right? But that's usually me when I read any book, you know? Um, I my standard is I give a book of four stars and then um, I work on my reviews and I start putting you know what I'm feeling into on paper and then I type it up and then I record that's my whole process so I want to say I went from loving this book to liking it <laughs> um, just because there was a lot that I realized kind of annoyed me about the book that I didn't realize when I was reading it, which is good. You know, when I was reading the book, I thoroughly 100% loved it. I enjoyed it. I thought that first um, 50% of the book was really good. And that last 25% of the book was really, really good. Those are really the highlights of the book that I'm going to talk a bit about. But then you had that 25% in the middle that was like, uh, uh, uh. Um, honestly, it was a little bit forgetful. First, let's talk about the good. Um, that first 50%, like I said. So the book takes place right after the events of Six Crimson Crimes. You have Princess Shuri. She's going down into the sea, um, into the dragon's kingdom with Seru. And a lot happens like a lot happens um pearl girl can't catch a break however it is partially majorly majority her fault um (laughs) i say that with the utmost love um you get to see all the magic of the dragon kingdom you get to see all these different kinds of intricacies when it comes to the politics with the dragons and how they maneuver and how they work in their world and I thought it was really you know ultimately I thought it was really well done um to see it come alive to see the dragon kingdom come alive however you know the book is called the dragon's promise and I think one of the things that ended up being a little bit of a disappointment was once she leaves the dragon kingdom that's it we don't really see the dragons again Seru doesn't really come out again until literally the very very ending thankfully this does avoid a little bit of a love triangle you definitely got the sense from the first book that Seru was attracted to Shiori um, and he does care for her but it is not reciprocated. So I am thankful for that. I am thankful that there is no love triangle. And it really just focuses on her love to Takan. But, I mean, once you leave the Dragon Kingdom, there there are no more dragons. And that was a little bit of a disappointment for me. So, the Dragon's promise, it's really just Shiori's promise that she made to her stepmother to return the dragon pearl to its rightful owner 
and that's pretty much it, you know? There is very little mention of the dragons other than her going on this adventure to find the dragon that is, you know, half dragon, half demon of all things. So she has to go find this dragon so that she can return the pearl back to him because it's a very powerful pearl. Um, it can pretty much break the world. The magic it has is wanted by pretty much everyone. Everyone wants this pearl. And Shiori's just like, no, I'm going to fulfill the promise I made to my stepmother and return this pearl to its rightful owner. <sighs> so this is where I started to have some problems with the novel. Um, Shuri, she went on such a great journey in the first novel, you know, she had her voice taken from her, her brothers were turned into cranes, and she had a bowl on her head. You couldn't really tell who she was. Um, I mean, other characters couldn't tell who she was. So, part of my problem is she, you can see how stubborn she is right at the beginning of the first book. But through her lack of communication, she learned to be more trusting of other people. She learned to be less stubborn. Um, she really did become that hero she was supposed to be in that first novel. She doesn't listen to anyone in this book. That was really the most annoying aspect of her characterization. Oh, God, it was... I just wanted to smack her across the face half the time. I'm just like, oh, my God, can you just shut up and listen to people? Like, they're trying to help you. Um, she's... She just doesn't listen. She chooses not to listen. She pretty much reverts back to who she was right at the beginning of Six Crimson Cranes. And that was all fine and everything, but it almost feels as though Lim... She took all this character development and she just tossed it out the window and is like, no, I'm going to make her this really stubborn princess again. And that's what was really annoying for me um, when I read this book. She just, especially when she's in the Dragon Kingdom, like it was funny, it created some tension, it was okay, she just wouldn't listen to anyone. Like, she wouldn't just pay attention and be the observant girl she was and just listen. And I'm just like, oh my god, Sherry, just stop fighting your friends and listen to your friends. They're trying to help you. And it kind of just continued that way throughout the rest of the book. And the problem was it put her in a lot of dangerous scenarios that ended up endangering people she was trying to protect. And it's just like, wow, this could have been avoided if you had just, you know, trusted your friends, trusted your family had been honest, less stubborn. Oh my god. And that's what makes that 25% in the middle kind of forgettable because you're so distracted by her unwillingness to just be the person she grew to be at the end of the book, at the end of Six Crimson Cranes. You're so distracted that a lot of those pivotal moments, you know, that 25% in there they're kind of lost. They are distracted. You know, that pacing, that tension with the half dragon, half demon, with 
the demon from, you know, the demon's prison in the mountain. You know, there's so much tension that is happening that is going around, but it's, there's too much noise in front of it for you to really appreciate it. As long, I mean, that's how I found it, because I just wanted her to shut up and be like, be that girl she grew to be at Six Crimson Cranes, but she ended up not being her anymore. She just went back to being this stubborn princess. I'm like, you grew so much. What happened to all that? What happened to that character development? What happened to that character growth? And that's what really made me go from loving this book to just liking it. I think Lim is a really good writer. She, you know, like that last quarter of the book was kind of heartbreaking and was excellent you know the dragon kingdom like i said that first 50 percent of the book excellent that last 25 percent of the book gut-wrenchingly emotional i mean it was action-packed fast-paced high attention it was so well done that last quarter and finally you saw that character growth again she, it's like she Lim reverted her back so that she could go on another journey of character development. But we didn't need another journey of character development. She could have continued to be that person, I think, and continued to learn more and become a better person that she did by the end of this book. And she was rewarded for that. Um, and it is kind of bittersweet. So I, I kind of have a love-hate relationship with it. But that's my feeling. <laughs> I went from loving the book to liking it. And really the whole reason is because of that characterization of Shiori. I mean, her inability to just communicate with others really just made me want to smack her on the face and be like, can you just shut up and listen to everyone, please? Like, everyone's trying to help you. Just stop talking. Just stop. Um, stop being so stubborn. That was me. But, you know, that's that. Um, otherwise, you know, I really did like the book. I wish there had been more dragons. I wish Seru had played a larger part um, in the plot. You know, I wish he had been there more often than just, you know, in the middle or just in the beginning and then at the end. I know we're trying to focus more on Shiori's relationship with her family, with her brothers, with her father, and her um, budding romance with Takan, but I really do wish she had been there more, but I, I understand why Lim didn't. I think she wanted to avoid falling into the trap of creating a love triangle, but he was just such a good character. Uh, he was such a good friend to Shiori in the first book that I think, you know he could have played a larger part in the storytelling than what was given to us. So at the end of the day, um, I guess I'll give this book a three and a half uh, out of five stars. Um, like I said, when I first finished reading it, it was a four star novel. And then I started to think more about it and all the things that annoyed me that I really didn't think about when I was first reading it because I was just enjoying the journey. But then I'm like, ah gotta be objective right <laughs> so three and a half out of five stars um and mainly it's just because of the characterization um Lim takes her on a completely new journey you know character wise there is character development but in order to do this new journey of character development I feel like she sacrificed all the character development that she went in the first book 
um, which it was kind of a disappointment. So, on that note, um, if you want to check out the book, if you want to read the conclusion of the novel, please remember to support the author by purchasing the book from your local bookstore or online book retailer. I just ask that you get the book off of someplace other than Amazon. Um, if money's tight, please check out the book from your local library, and I hope you all will continue to support me here by liking this podcast, subscribing to it, and sharing it with all your book-loving friends. Have a great rest of your day, and as always... Happy reading.